saw something. There was this... Clown. Yeah, I saw him too. Look. It's all connected by the sewers. That's where it lives. Boo, if you'll come with me, you'll float too. 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 Are you a fan of things that go bump in the night? Chills up your spine, paralyzed by fright. Thrilled by horror at the center of a chat. Then welcome to the Nerds from the Crypt podcast. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us here in the Crypt, where the nerds like to hang out and review horror movies. I want to give a big shout out to Jake Lionheart for our theme song. If you have not heard his, his podcast, you should. It's called The Salt Report. The podcast where four of the saltiest internet nerds dish out all their salt regarding video games, cosplay, and other nerd-related items. I'll leave a link in the description below. One last thing before we start. We do have an online source set up with tpublic.com where you can find stickers and mugs on sale um, with our new logo. All the sales go to help the cost of the podcast. And if you purchase something on there, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast for giving us your support. All right, with all the boring stuff out of the way, let's go ahead and introduce my co-host. With me, as always, is Nick and Shell. How are you all doing today? I'm doing good. How are you guys? I'm doing really good. Thank you very much for asking. I'm glad that you guys are with us again. Today, we do have a guest host coming to us from Austin. Is Jason. Jason, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for inviting me on here. Well, very glad that you're able to join us today, Jason. And uh, let's just get started. Today's episode will be a review of 2017's It. Directed by Andy Muschietti and released by Warner Brothers New Line Cinema on September 8, 2017. As of this recording, it has surprised the exorcist in being the highest grossing horror movie of all time before um, before taking into consideration the, the, the rate of inflation. Uh, before we get our thoughts into the new It movie, I just wanted to get our history with It. Uh, did you all read the book or did you watch the 1990 mo- uh, 90 miniseries or did you do both? Um, what did you all do? Uh, I read the book when I was in high school, so probably somewhere around 2002. So it's been about 15 years. Uh, I had seen the miniseries before that. Um, my sister had a VHS copy of it, or I did. I don't know who had it, but it was in the house. So I've seen that quite a few times. Um, I can't remember if I read the book first or did, if I saw the like the TV movie first. Um, I remember reading it after my mom finished it because... Um, we used to go to the library to like get a couple of books every week. Um, mostly me, my mom, and my sister. And my mom would always get Stephen King books. And I think it's the first book that I like read that she just finished. But I can't remember if that was before the movie or after the movie. I read the book um, when it came out. <laughs> I was probably I bought. I was in high school at the time, so I I think it came out in 86, and I read it, like, in late 86 or early 87, and I had read everything King up until that point, so for me, it was a natural progression. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, and it was actually only four years since the, the release of the book that the 1990s ABC miniseries was released. There's a lot of nostalgia tied to that 1990s miniseries, especially with... Tim Curry's portrayal of Pennywise the Dancing Clown. Um, and while the reception for the new it has been great, 
I believe that the nostalgia factor does affect the perception of many moviegoers in regards to their feelings with the new version of it. What got, what were your thoughts on the miniseries? Um, well, I, I thought it was pretty cool back then. Because it was like, I was a kid and it was a horror movie and, you know, there was a big evil face clown killing people. Um, so, yeah, when I was a kid, I loved it. The miniseries I liked quite a bit. Uh, obviously, everybody likes Tim Curry in that. Um, it's one of my favorite King TV <clears throat> TV adaptions. I liked it when it came out. I probably still do. If I watch it back now, I get that nostalgic feeling that most people get um, when they when they watch something that was a pretty prolific piece of their childhood. And I got into horror when I was probably in the early early 80s I was just like really into it so I did love it um I think I'm I may like this one more but it's just that's just my you know my preference but I did love the miniseries yeah and I do remember seeing it as a kid I remember not being so scared of it though looking back at the miniseries it doesn't hold up as well as well as others do um it has outdated effects it had a of course a lower budget and it had to be done for the ABC channel all the acting wasn't always the greatest, but with that all being said, I love the 90s miniseries, but I can separate that nostalgic feeling from the version to this new version. And I feel that, that most people cannot do that, or that at least they don't choose to, especially when it comes to the outstanding performance of Tim Curry. And I was patiently and sometimes impatiently waiting for this this movie to come out. It had been delayed so many times since it was first announced back in 2009-2010, even to the point where it, they said it might have even been dead. And finally, finally in September 8th, we get, that, we get um, this, the new version of it, 27 years later after the first version came out. I don't know if that was actually done on purpose or if it was done as a coincidence or a little bit as both. Okay, guys, let's talk about the, the characters and specifically the actress portrayals of the characters and the, the main characters of the, of the Losers Club. I thought the casting was fantastic on that. I really thought uh, Sophia Lillis and Jeremy Ray Taylor stood out a lot. Um, I think everybody in my theater seemed to love Ben. Every time he was on screen, people like really lit up, it seemed like. He got the most reaction out of the crowd. But overall, the unit worked really well. I felt like it definitely had the camaraderie from, like, Stand By Me, but with the comedy of, like, the Goonies. So I really think they picked the right cast for the losers. I agree. I think um, the most reaction when I was seeing it was to uh, Finn and then, of course, Jeremy, like you said. This the one-liners between uh, Finn and Bill, and that whole dynamic was just uh, amazing. And I'll tell you, uh, they couldn't have picked a better Beverly, I think, for this for the oh age. God. I mean, it was like a throwback for me. I felt like I was literally back in my small town. She did so, an amazing job acting in that. I like, uh, other than obviously Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise, I feel like she probably gave the best performance in the film. I would agree. I would totally agree. As far as the new cast goes, I do not have any issues with any of them. Um, I haven't seen too much criticism when it comes to the child actors. Some of that actually goes towards Bill Skarsgård, but we'll get to that and our thoughts on um, the criticism. 
Um, all the kids, they were, their relationships and their reactions, um, it is done just so perfectly. It goes beyond just getting good actors. It's uh, the writing. The kids talk the way the kids should talk among themselves. That sometimes they may be a little bit more proper, a little bit more um, decent in quotation marks in front of their parents and then the grown-ups. But, of course, they curse when they're together with their group of friends. This is not the 90s version of the kids who are placed in the 50s and speak very PG. Um, just going to run through the the, the, um, the Losers Club real quick here. Um, I, I feel like the relationship between, uh, let's say, Richie and Eddie, they're playing off each other, their one-liners, uh, the comebacks, was done beautifully, and, and, and everybody just reacted so much to them. Stan wasn't given too much to do. He was a little bit more wooden. Um, it's not his fault, not, not the actor's fault. That's just the way the act, the, the character is. Uh, he's a little bit more scared. He, um, doesn't really want to go out exploring, but when it comes down to it, he does go down there with the rest of the people. Um, Ben, like you all said, and he's the one that got the most sympathy out of, the, out of the bunch. Beverly, you all talked about how, how perfect she was for, in the role. Bill, I like to talk about Bill real quick. Uh, he is shown as a clear leader for the Blues Club, although they don't clearly state that he's the, the leader. He commands respect out of these kids, um, and they all look towards him to see what to do next. Mike is the only one that I have a problem with, not with the actor, but with what he was given to do. His whole backstory was removed, and his role in the group was changed and even given to Ben. And while I'm not too upset about it, it does take away a great aspect and a great character from the book. I... I would like to add it. I the comparisons. It's so funny to see younger people today say that this movie was too much like Stranger Things and the cast on Stranger Things because this actually was from originally written in the eighties and then yeah. and then we've redone it. And honestly, Stranger Things pulls from you know that more more from King. This obviously didn't pull from Stranger Things. So I thought I found that humorous. Font for Stranger Things is Stephen King font. Like that's what they said. That was their biggest influence. Actually, um, I don't know about this. The Duffer Brothers actually wanted to direct this, but yeah. were turned down because they didn't have the experience. Yeah, um, exactly what I was gonna say. They, um, they, the Duffer Brothers, did want to go ahead and um, helm this this project, but they were said they were told that they were not established enough. To, to deal with it. Now, they went on ahead and created Stranger Things last year, in 2016, which actually co-stars Finn Wolfhard, who plays Richie in this film, and you can definitely tell that in Stranger Things, they, they have an homage to Stephen King and to 80s horror movies. Okay, let's go over to uh, to Pennywise. Bill Skarsgård plays Pennywise in the 2017 version. What were your thoughts on what he brought to the role? I loved his uh, voice. I like the look. I like, um, I, I was thinking it was going to look, you know, like a complete ripoff, but I'd like, I like the way he looks. Oh, definitely. His voice is menacing. It sounds like he can actually be a clown at sometimes, uh, but he can drop that act and just, you can just see the evil intent in his face when, and when it, it's um, true self goes through. Um, when I first saw the, the makeup, I thought that many people may not like it. Um, and I think 
I think there was a lot, uh, quite a bit of people who didn't like it, but I think there was a lot more people who were okay with it. And um, but but here comes back to to what I was saying before. I think nostalgia uh, for the movie in the nineties um, is the people aren't, aren't able to separate it, and they cannot see anyone else other than Tim Curry as Pennywise. Yeah, the nostalgia factor I feel like really is affecting a lot of people because I I like both, but I really genuinely love. Scarsgard in this film like I feel like I'll watch this version more times uh, in the future than I'll rewatch the, the miniseries yeah I think so as well I think uh, I'm gonna enjoy watching it over and over again um, at least once a year if not two or three times a year uh, the, this film was done um, the way this film was done was just done so much better um, the character better while we didn't get to see all the transformation that he goes through in the book we get glimpses and references to them. So let's go ahead and talk about the technical aspects of the film. Uh, it definitely uh, had a very like art film vibe to it. There were a lot of really interesting shots in it. And like completely no spoilers on it. You remember the scene where um, Henry and his friends are leaning against the, the car? And then uh, they're just sitting still and it's like a beautiful background. And the camera pulls back on that. And you just watch them sitting there for an extended period of time. It's, uh, there were a lot of shots in that film that were definitely set up just to be you know, beautiful imagery. Uh, all in all, I, I thought everything about it was great. I loved everything the director did with it. No, I, was, I agree with you on the cinematography and the way some of those shots were done was just absolutely brilliant. I thought, I thought the music, everything from the music to the camera angles, I think they did a fabulous job with this film. Uh, I saw it with two people who hadn't even read the book. So this was our first exposure to it, um, which was my son and his wife. And I mean, they they even pointed those things out to me um, and they had they hadn't even read the book before. So, yeah, um, Andy Machete directed this um, perfectly. He gets the tone of the, of the, of the city, the mood of the city. Um, perfect. He um, there's something wrong with Derry and he's able to pinpoint that and, and we're able to see it with the, the adults just not, not caring when there's a child in danger uh we it, going back to to the book itself or two books in the stephen king universe the main character in 11 63 actually goes goes to Derry and visits in there in the past and while he's there he actually just go ahead and, and notice that there's something evil something sinister about Derry, and especially coming from that standpipe which is where pennywise lives and um I believe this film really did translate that in, in, in to, to us or was able to communicate that to us. Um, and while this film is great, there's it's not perfect. There's some other some things that, that didn't work for me. Um, there's stuff that, it, it, you know, just like any other film, you know. Um, like I said before, uh, the the Mike thing, Mike being cut out and being very little of him is what one thing that I don't like. But in the technical side, there were some transitions that didn't work well for me. Uh, when the moment they would they would confront Pennywise, get scared, and then all of a sudden they'd be happy and be fun. And they, you can chalk that up to the kids not wanting to talk to each other about this because they're not sure if someone's going to believe them. But you don't get the feeling that that's the way it was edited. It kind of just jumped from place to place. Overall, the flaws are, are not many, and they're overshadowed what, by what is great in the movie. Now, personally, I don't, I've never been scared of a movie. Uh, there are some scares in this movie that are done very effectively. Yes, they use some jump, screen, um, jump scares, but they were done efficiently. They were done 
well it's not like they just made you jump just to make you jump it wasn't just a random cat that just came by it was pennywise when he did the when you would jump it was because pennywise is coming or one of his transformations or one of his scares yeah they didn't just do it just to do it like they were used for a purpose so I don't know if y'all know this, but the director uh, actually didn't let Bill Skarsgård interact with the kids until the moment they were going to start filming the scenes. On the day of the first scene together, the production staff actually did go up to the kids and say, you know, uh, Bill Skarsgård might be a little scary while he's in character. And the kids kind of just brushed it off saying that, you know, they were professionals. They were um, they knew that Bill Skarsgård was just an actor playing Pennywise. However, when the film uh, or the scene was actually uh, filmed, the kids uh, did really were genuinely um, creeped out and terrified by by Pennywise. I could see that. Yeah, that costume is pretty menacing. Yeah, the way they dressed him up was great. His clown costume is very old. It harkens back to how long he's been doing this. The 90s version was very 90s. It was very colorful, very cheerful, very uh, too silly for me. So let's go ahead and talk about the special effects in this film. The CGI in this film may be the only thing that took me out of it. For example, the CGI used in the beginning with Georgie, it goes from Skarsgård to CGI, and at the moment of the bite, you can tell that it is done very, very horribly. Michelle, do you want to take that one? Sure. Um, I I thought it was just okay. I mean, there's some some areas where it maybe wasn't even needed. I, I think that the, the best scares were the special effects that weren't CGI. That was just me. Um, if I'm watching a superhero movie, I expect it. This, not so much. It was more on the character development and the plot and some of the manifestations uh, that it being the biggest fear or your, each individual's biggest fear. I think it the subtle uh, parts like the picture, uh, that I didn't didn't recognize right. I didn't recognize it, but didn't recognize it. I know you recognized it, but yeah, we'll put that in the spoilers part. Yeah, I don't want to say it, but you know, like there, I think the subtle things were more scary than the CGI. You know, I don't know how much they really needed to do it. Yeah, the uh, the only CGI in it that I really thought was kind of ah was the uh, w- beginning, like one of the first scenes. We all know what I'm talking about. Yep. Other than other than that, I didn't have too much of problems with it. But when the movie first started, I was put off a little bit. Like oh oh no, when I saw that first thing. But then after that, it kind of I the rest of it was fine. It corrected ship. Yeah, yeah definitely. Okay, let's talk about our favorite parts of the movie. This is the one and final warning you're going to get if you have not seen the movie. And then if you haven't seen the movie, what are you doing still sitting here watch, uh, hearing us? Go out there and watch the movie. We'll be waiting here for you. and You can talk to the spoilers about it. You can tell us what you think of the movie. All right. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> this is more of an Easter egg, but in Stan's scare scene, there is a painting that he is scared of. And it's actually a picture of Mama from the um, other uh, Andy Muschietti um, film that he that he directed. Now, it's not supposed to be Mama. I'm pretty sure of it. Um, but they did take the design of the painting. And, of course, Pennywise takes the look. Oh, okay. Like a little yeah. between-universe Easter egg. 
which I liked Momo a lot. I thought that was great. Here are some of the people um, are starting to say that the CGI was really bad. I don't perfect, per- personally see a problem with it since the the figure that comes out is supposed to be the painting. It has that look of the painting. So, and, and then personally, above and beyond that, my favorite scene was the projector scene. Uh, oh, yeah. Absolutely. That was my favorite scene in the movie, like, just hands down. Um, did my, I have a question, though, about that scene. So when they were first watching the projector, it was on a like a smaller smaller scale, and then when it got kicked over, is that how it spread out wider, and that's why Pennywise became a larger size? You know what I'm asking? Um, I'm not sure if that's if that um, if that's the reason, um, or if it's just Pennywise just messing with the reality to come come out of the projector. Yeah, I I mean that was that was one of the best scenes in the movie, and. Am I mistaken to think that's the first time they actually saw him at um, Skarsgård as Pennywise in makeup? Yeah, I'm not sure if that's the scene. Um, it's, I'm almost certain that they didn't use him as a stand-in, but they, it was all effects there at that point. Yeah, I mean, I think I think their reactions from the cast, the kids that were the cast, were everything in that scene. They made it. And how about uh, individual scares, guys? Um, which one did you like the best? Which one was your favorite? Uh, Beverly, uh, Beverly scare in the bathroom after the scene with her father. That one, uh, that one definitely stands out to me. I I would agree. It was graphic, and it was disturbing. And as far as the horror in the movie, for a lot of people, I think that that's the moment. It, it was just horrific. Oh yeah, definitely. And then of course the dad comes in and he can't see the blood. He's uh, uh, pretty upset at her for making all the ruckus. And then I want to talk about the dad personally. I think the dad is much scarier than some of the actual scares in this movie. Um, I've always seen the, and I've always said it that monsters and villains don't scare me. It's the human characters that are filled with evil and malintent that right. scare me. Um, even people like like Henry Bowers um, or, or the pharmacist. Yeah, the pharmacist guy. Yeah, he was pretty awful. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I think all the scares are handled pretty well. Um, I think the tamest of all was Richie scare, where he's uh, scared of clowns, which is um, updated from being scared of the of the werewolf in the book. Um, but um, uh, he, I think it works well because there's a lot of people that were are scared of clowns. And um, so that's going to help that scene. And um, there's this doll, actually, I don't know if you all saw this, but there's this doll that looks exactly like the 90s version of it. And when I first saw that, I was hoping, I was hoping that it would be Pennywise, that he would use that doll to transform and shed the look to the new Pennywise look. Um, I don't know. That's just something that that I was hoping I would see. You know, I've had people tell me that. I saw the movie early on Thursday when it came out with my wife. And then, uh, I went the following night again with my sister, and uh, I did not catch that, and now I want to go back a third time so I can see it. <laughs> yeah, I think I missed a lot of things I want to see the next time. I wish we had uh, seen a little bit more of uh, of Pennywise when his uh, individual scare with Mike, when he was behind that like see-through curtain. With, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Meat. Yeah, I really liked the way that looked, and I wanted like a clearer view of that. But I think, yeah, because he's, he's hanging off the meat hook, and all of a sudden he just jumps off, and you can see his glowing eyes. And if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, he was the first one to actually encounter it on his own. Yeah, I think, I think he was, yeah. Um, 
any other favorite parts you guys want to bring up? Um, I, I know there's a lot of funny parts, I think, uh, just the interaction between Richie and Eddie, They're the one-liners, and then, of course, the comebacks. Um, <laughs> I think those were, were – I think that, that relationship uh, is done a lot better than the 90s version. The 90s version of Eddie was um, – I don't know. He was too old manish. <laughs> yeah, he was like too proper, too. Uh, and then of course Stan. Stan was the, the the Boy Scout, and he Stan is the hardest one for me to to actually try to um, like talk about because he's always been the the, bo- the more boring one. Uh, he's the one that's always more scared, um, and we see what happens to him in in, in at the end, in the next part where well, we know what's going to happen to him at least if they keep. True to the, to the to the book. I think neither film has really done uh, a lot with Stan's character. Like I remember from the book when he was doing the uh, the bird watching, and then he went into that house alone. That was a mm-hmm. really cool scene in the book, and one of the scariest ones. But I guess you know, since we all know what happens to him, they don't really develop him as well as the other characters. So the the movie was not perfect, right? Like I yeah. said, there's there's a couple of things that I that I didn't like. One I already talked about. One um, being that Mike's whole backstory kind of was taken away from him and given mm-hmm. to Ben. Even though I liked Ben as a character in the movie, and I liked the the actor, there was just something that was missing from Mike. Mike kind of just kind of seemed like he was thrown there at the very end. Yeah, I hated and, that. I want I wanted it so bad to be him. <laughs> yeah, and especially because he's the one that actually brings everyone back together. He's the one that stays in 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 the city. So I don't know if maybe they might be changing that to be Ben, the one that stays in the city. Um, but we all know Ben is the one that turns out to be the architect, the uh, kind of, or at least in the in, in the um, like in like John Ritter playing him. I, I mean, John Ritter wasn't the perfect person to play the grown up version of him. I think he played him um, well enough to where um, he's like playboy in the in the 90s version, you know. Um, so I, um, I do like the story development we have with, with, with Ben. I remember in the book, Ben, um, we see him as, as being lonely, even though he says he, he never perceived himself to be lonely because he never had friends. So he never knew the difference between not having friends and being lonely. And here we, I feel like we definitely see him being lonely. And, and even though I don't see it. It affecting him as a character too much. We we can definitely see he's a loner and he's he's not really friends with anybody. Um, one I think the only other thing that really not upset me but let me down a little is Beverly being getting kidnapped. Um, while we get a stronger version of, of Beverly in the 90s version and in, in the book, she's the one that, that, that is, I think, and I, I definitely, she, I think, I think she's actually very strong and very in the, in the movie, but her being kidnapped, I think, takes away from that. Um, I get that's the reason why they all come back together and they all go attack um, it. it. It just, I just didn't like the, like that particular reasoning uh, that for her being kidnapped. Um, I don't know how to explain it. It's kind of like it's it's always it always has to be the girl, you know. It always has to be the girl that has that everyone needs to go and, and rescue. Yeah, even though she's the strongest, it feels right. like they had to knock her down a peg. Yeah, that that part I kind of yeah I rolled my eyes a little bit. <laughs> oh, I more than rolled my eyes because you probably know. I mean, 
I mean, I'm not going to make it. It made her seem weaker than she should should have seemed. Definitely. I didn't like that. Yeah, she should have been more Ellen Ripley of it. Exactly, and we we take away that take, that gets taken away. Now we do get to see a little bit more because I know, in in and especially in the '90s version, we kind of them see them together in the sewers, and they really don't do anything to them as a kid, as kids, and it's just Beverly kind of just um, the one that really messes them up with the slingshot. So I do like this version where they're all kicking his ass. <laughs> um, that I did like. Um, but just just everything that he puts the kids through in the sewers in his lair. And, of course, we get to the, 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 the meme, uh, the, the gif that everybody's using with with uh, with um, Pennywise and, his, and the music. I don't know if you all seen it, where they show Pennywise dancing and, and he's just uh, dancing to the different music. <laughs> dancing Pennywise, yeah. Yeah, well, you know yes. how the movie, he comes out dancing, but they have him dancing to, like... Um, Cotton Eye Joe, we have him dancing to um, to Gundam style. It's just a whole oh different God. different um, uh, songs in it, and it. I think a movie, even though that I think that made me laugh, I think it works because he's just being creepy. He's just being like psycho with with Beverly at that at that point. So I think that part works, even though the the I think the way it was shot was a little weird because like his body's moving, but his head's kind of like just standing still. And I, right. I understand that that's a, a um, that was intentional by the director because it, it's not the only time that, that that happens where the head kind of seems out of out of wonk um, to to the to the body of, of um like supernatural. I was giving me like st- to let you connect with this is something that can yeah. change, shapeshift, whatever supernatural uh, by keeping the head still. Yeah, I think that's I think that that's what it was, but. Um, it kind of threw me off a little bit, but not to the point where like, uh, I'm not gonna like the movie. I, I saw it as like him kind of just still being a clown, but not going to the extent that they did in the the mini series. Like he wasn't making bad jokes. Like is your refrigerator running? Like I was really <laughs> happy there weren't any uh, Prince Albert and Can <laughs> references. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, what do y'all think of the floating kids? Uh, it threw Don't. me off for a minute, but then like I I, I didn't got catch it. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So in the in the book, I think it's in the book, right? Where, where Georgie asks him, "Does the balloon float?" He's the one that initiates it, right? And he's like, "Of course, it float. They all float, and you'll float too when you're down here, right?" Um, you'll float something too. like that. Yeah. So that kind of it's taken away from Georgie, and and Pennywise kind of adapting that to being the more like. Uh, generalized threat to everybody, and of course, when we get to the layer, all the kids that he's like absorbed the during that. I don't know if it's during only during that phase, or if it's all the kids that he's eaten so far. I, that's very little kids, I think, even though it's a lot of them for the time he's been there. Um, they're kind of just floating in the in the layer, and of course, um, Bev is one of the, the one of the ones that is floating, but because. She was not. I, I think she didn't die because she was not afraid of him at that time anymore, at that point anymore. So she that that thing saved her. Um, the kids just realizing that they're not scared of Pennywise, they're not scared of it anymore. Kind of just starts to to um, mess him up to the point where they're all able just to gang up on them and just beat the crap out of them um, with 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 weapons. 
Um, so what do y'all think of his uh, exit? Well, I hope it's not 27 years. But we actually have to wait. Um, <laughs> but I thought, I thought they did okay with it. I think it could have been, I, I don't know. I wasn't, like, I'm like 50-50 on it. I really enjoy the, the part where they start, where he starts to crack. His head starts like to start kind of like open, and it, like the essence of it starts to like escape his head. Right. Um. So I, I really enjoyed that, and of course they start beating the crap out of him, and he escapes. Um. They don't know that. They think he they might have defeated him. Well, I liked um towards the end. I really enjoyed um, the scene right before. Right, well, the scene where the kids like fight him, but. Specifically, oh, yeah. the part where he's talking and saying, well, I'm not real enough for you, Bill. Just the way he delivered that line, like, yes, I loved it. Um, you know what I, we did with Live Out? The, although we talked about Richie's scare scene, the, the showdown in Neibolt Street on the, on the house, where he kind of starts turning into the uh, the werewolf. Mm. Um, and then, of course, what, yeah, who is it? Beverly? The hand. Yeah, Beverly comes in and, and, and hits him. Um, but we see uh, Eddie break his hand, and I was like, "Oh, I think that I think that was something that I don't, I'm not gonna say scared me, but it affected me the most because I can't deal with broken fingers and broken hands in movies and, and stuff. I can see heads come off, I can see arms getting chopped off and all that, but broken fingers and limbs—it it, kind of really gets to me. I can never really understand why. We got references to the movies, to the monsters that 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 the movie talked about. We have uh, the the werewolf hand. We see the mummy with Ben when, when he's trying to wrap itself around Ben's face. Uh, we saw the leper, which is Eddie's main main scare. Uh, did y'all know that Freddy Krueger almost made a cameo in this? No, I did not know that. Yeah, so in the movie itself, when you, it's panning out, and huh. I believe it's Richie's pain in the arcade, they show the, the, the marquee, and it says Nightmare Number no. 5. And yeah, I did see that in the book. The reason why the mummy, the reason why the sw- the the um the werewolf, and I think it's the swamp thing comes comes out. It, oh, even Rodan comes out, or a bird that looks like Rodan. It's because these kids have seen the movies, the horror movies back in the day. So they they couldn't really they really didn't want to bring those back because they don't think kids were being scared of those type of monsters. But who was out at that time? It was Freddy Krueger and Jason, right? And this is a new, but this is a new line cinema movie. So of course they had the, they did have the rights to, to Freddy Krueger. So they were going to use him as the monster to scare the kids. And for some reason they, they deleted it. I don't know if they, I don't know if they filmed it and then they deleted it or if they just brought it up, they were going to do it, they were going to do it. And then they decided not to do it. I personally thought it would, would have been great because Pennywise kind of does kind of work on the same kind of realm as far as uh, the scares go. Um, he, he gets your fear, you're, but you're, the only thing is that the only difference is that you're awake and during the broad daylight that this is happening, rather than in the middle of the, uh, when you're sleeping. Um, I just wanted to throw in a couple of just little fun facts here before we finish up. Um, John Oliver had a cameo in the movie. I didn't know this one. Um, he said he was such a fan of the, the novel that he asked to be an extra, and you can see him in the town's diner. Um, I missed that one. I didn't see him in there. Um, during early production, I guess when she was, when it was like in 2009, 2010, Chloe Grace Moretz was considered for Beverly, but since the project took so long to develop, she just got too old to, to play the, the, the role. Um, 
Other actors that were rumored to play Pennywise included Johnny Depp, Quilda Swinton, uh, Richie, I can't say his last name, Richard I'm, I'm Armitage, I'm, I can't say his last name, Tom Hiddleston, um, Jackie Earl Haley, Jim Carrey, Kirk Acevedo, Willem Dafoe, Paul Giamatti, Hugo Weaving, Doug Jones, and even Channing Tatum. I don't, I don't know how that would have worked. <laughs> wow. Uh, of all those, the two that were brought in for final um, consideration were Hugo Weaving and Bill Skarsgård. And Hugo Weaving was um, not considered playful enough. to be. He, was, he only played it off as scary. He, uh, Bill Skarsgård was able to play it off scary and playful, which is why they went for him. Um, I don't know if you all thought knew that Will Poulter was in line to play this before Bill Skarsgård. Um, if you all don't know Will Poulter, he's, he's from the um, movies like I think he came out in the in the um, We Are the Millers, and I I know he came out in one of those teen movies, but I'm not sure what what, what it was called. Um, do you know who I'm talking about? No, I don't. Um, no, I lost. Are you like a skinny, looking kid? Yeah, I um, I think he yeah, he might have done quite a bit like um Bill Skarsgård, but like it, yeah, face is a bit different, but like Bill probably about the same. I think he might have like been okay with in, in the role, um, but he backed out after I think he said he was enthusiastic. He was real enthusiastic about getting the role, and then after a while, since the movie was dragging, he kind of started like not wanting to be this real dark character. Um, Bill Skarsgård has said that the very much just like um, the Joker with Heath Ledger, that the character himself started like getting it, getting to him. And I don't know how much of this is to sell the movie and how much is it is, is, is true. He was starting to say that he was um, having nightmares and, and during production and all that. Um, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I know some, some actors can get into their roles so much that they kind of lose reality and all that. Um, all right. So, um, anything else you guys want to add to 2017's it? Uh, I'll go for, I'll go first. I just want to say that, I mean, there's a reason that it's not doing so well because it wasn't just, a, it's not just a horror movie and a thriller that the, the, there's comedic aspects, but the coming of age story in it, I think just appeals to such a wide audience. I think that that's why it's done so well and broken records. Uh, if you've seen it and you're still not too sure about it because of the, the nostalgia factor or the Stranger Things comparison, I would just really try to push that down and rewatch it again without you know any comparisons and just enjoy it. The as Michelle said, the film's great in all its aspects: the the comedy, the camaraderie, the coming of age. It's a good movie. Thank you guys very much for your thoughts on it. Uh, we'll get back with the nerds in a, in a couple of minutes here. What I did in the week and a half or so that we were promoting that we're going to record this episode was go ahead and reach out to other horror film or horror movie lovers and ask them their thoughts on it. And um, here are a couple of, of the responses we received on Twitter. Steve Cancel, he says, I personally loved it. I love that they updated it to the 80s, was in the 50s in the original, and Pennywise was awesome. It was a fun movie, and I would see it again. I am planning to watch the original later on tonight. We have Caroline, who wasn't so enthusiastic about the movie. Uh, she said, OMG, the movie was laughable, wasn't scary to me 
I'm not saying it was bad. It was just an old, it was just um, that she's an old school horror fan. We have at Cliff underscore Goldsmith on Twitter who said, I loved it so much. It was a fantastic adaptation. And then I cannot wait for chapter two. Skarsgård was for me the perfect Pennywise. At BBBUD1, Big Brother Bud. And he says, I thought it was really good. Skarsgård was strong as Pennywise and the kids did a great job. We also have at Bob underscore Abu, Abui. Um, and he said, I wish I could articulate what I liked about the movie more. I really enjoyed how they spent the time on developing the story. I was scared that they'd rush through the kids part and the adult part. Glad they decided to make it in two parts. Part one had a satisfactory ending. I was, I also love the casting for the movie. Kid actors can really ruin a movie. And in parentheses, he says, see any Adam Sandler movie. Anyways, just my two cents. And if you want to discuss any of that on your podcast, go ahead. I actually received a recording review of the, of the uh, movie. And we have Scott who goes by Scooter Dust on Twitter. So I will go ahead and let you hear what his thoughts were. We all float down here. Y'all float too. Are you ready? Time to float. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? This is Scooter Dust, host of the remix. And this is a remix review of it. I, like many, am a fan of the original book by Stephen King and the 1991 miniseries starring the great Tim Curry as Pennywise the Dancing Clown. But while the 1991 miniseries seemed scary to a six-year-old kid, my age at the time, showings in today's day and age make it seem almost satirical, save for Curry's stellar performance and humanistic qualities he brought to the role. Fast forward to 2017 and the promise of a big screen adaptation of the novel and the promise of a more faithful adaptation to the screen this time around, and this horror movie fan became excited that one might say I was floating with joy. Let's start with the acting and performances. The acting was stellar all the way around. Each member of the Losers Club had their own backstory explained, and in all honesty, this part of the story is better told in this linear style as compared to a flashback sequence, so this is an area where the movie outdoes the book. There is some switching of character arc this time around as it pertains to the characters of Mike Hanlon and Ben Hanscom, played by Chosen Jacobs and Jeremy Ray Taylor, respectively. The other members of the Losers Club have their shining moments, too, and while Bill, Beverly, and Stan give stellar performances, the scene-stealers are clearly Richie and Eddie, played by Stranger Things' Finn Wolfhard, which is appropriate casting in and of itself, and me, myself, and I's Jack Dylan Grazier. Richie and Eddie have a best-friend-like relationship in the book, so it makes sense that the dynamic between them here flows naturally, like the cautious friend and the jokester friend. The kids brought the script of Chase Palmer, Carrie Fukunaga, and Gary Dalverman to life, and gave the Losers Club the depth it deserves. And then you have the main attraction of our show. Bill Skarsgård is Pennywise. The first thing anyone thought when seeing this was how would Skarsgård compare to Tim Curry. And the truth is, both actors bring a distinct and unique performance to the character, known as Bob Gray, Pennywise, and so many other pseudonyms. The two performances are vastly different that both approaches work. Curry as Pennywise is a clown who is a human being underneath, while Skarsgård plays Pennywise as the demonic creature who chooses to take the form of a clown. 
Skarsgård goes all out with every single move he makes, conveying Terra not just through dialogue, but with the intricacies of facial expressions, body movement, and speech patterns, making Skarsgård a truly terrifying manifestation of what really scares children. Let's move on to story coherence and structure. Those who have read the book know how long it truly is, so it was no surprise that the director, Andy Muschietti, decided that it would be better told during the two distinct eras of the characters' lives, childhood, the 80s, and adulthood. The big reveal, spoiler alert, comes at the end when the credits declare that this is only chapter one. This separation allows a more succinct storytelling without delving into the more out-of-this-world aspects that comprise the novel. Ideas like the Macroverse, the Deadlights, and Maturin, the good polar opposite of Pennywise, are all set to be an integral part of Chapter 2. There are jump scares aplenty, and while some may say they were excessive, I personally enjoyed all of them. The trailer does not do the projector scene justice. Those who know the story will appreciate the easter eggs and little nuances. Given the recent rides in nostalgic settings, the 80s setting felt very appropriate, allowing modern audiences to connect to it regardless if they read the book or not. Some may find the reduction of Mike Hanlon's character as a child a little frustrating, if only for the fact that he, as an adult, is the one who keeps the history of the town of Derry. Here, Ben is a new kid who likes doing research on Derry in his spare time. It's a simple character adjustment, but it may frustrate some of the more hardcore Stephen King fans. The ending, while satisfying, leaves us with a puzzling, if not shocking, development involving the characters Bill and Beverly. The film ends with Bill and Beverly sharing a passionate kiss, despite the viewer knowing that Ben has feelings for her, and after Ben's kiss releases Beverly from the catatonic state of the deadlights, it is implied that Beverly finally feels the same way. In conclusion, it delivers on all aspects, story-wise, character-wise. It is an overall fun movie. You can go see it by yourself, you can go see it with a significant other, or with your friends just to pal around. It's that type of movie. And I personally cannot wait for Chapter 2. I'm Scooter Dust, and you can find me on the remix on Mixler. Now, back to those nerds in the crypt. Thank you very much, Scott. And um, he actually gave me a little bit more than I was expecting, but that is fine. You can check him out on the remix with Scooter Dust on Mixler. And um, because, like I said, you can find him on Twitter at Scooter Dust. All right, that, guys. Thank you guys all for your, your input on um, the movie. And um, I think what we're going to do is we're going to do Stranger Things Season 1 as an overview of the full season before we go over Season 2, which comes out at the end of October. And um, once again, guys, thank you very much for, for joining me today on um, and the nerds on it. Um, nerds, uh, do you guys have anything you guys want to add before we leave? Uh, oh, thank, thanks for coming on, Jason. Like it was it's nice to meet you. And like, I'm really glad that you could help us with this. 
Well, Jason, do you want to plug anything um, that you were working on or anything that you've done? Yeah, I'd love to, actually. Um, I have a new comic entitled Skellytown. Uh, the art's by Tony Gregory. Uh, it's at the coloring process right now, and it'll be coming sometime in 2018. Um, I had a story last year with Alterna's If Anthology, uh, Lycanthro Man, just a werewolf superhero story. But that's all I have got going on. You can follow me on Twitter at Jason Gelker. Nick, any last words for for uh, the audience before I, I, let, I let you out of the crypt? <laughs> oh, I don't need to plug anything because this is the only thing I really do. <laughs> like in, but, like um, all day and all day and all week, that's all he does is just wait for us to call him. Yeah, like I just like call all day and go like, hey, call me. <laughs> all right, so. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to go ahead and plug my other podcast. It's a survivor, um, you know, the reality show survivor, a recap podcast, um, every Thursday during the season, you can catch us on, um, the spy shack, uh, podcast on iTunes as well as Podbean. And, um, like I said before, we do have an online store for both podcasts. You can, if you can, if you want to support us, that helps us, um, cover the cost for, for the podcast host hosting. Um, and you can always visit our, our website, which are, is tied to the Podbean account, so you guys can help us out there. Um, like I said, I will go ahead and add Scott's podcast, who, who called into the show, um, to the notes, so you guys can see that as well. And uh, let me know what you all think of it. Let us know what you all want us to want to see us review in the future, and we'll get back with you guys um, we're going to try to make this a lot more frequent than we, we had been in the past. Uh, so we're not, we're hoping not to make three months, uh, layoffs and all that. So guys, thank you again for, for joining us. Thank you, Shell. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Jason, for, for being with us here today. And thank um, you. it was, it was fun. Um, y'all let us know what y'all think. See you guys next time. Are you a fan of things that go bump in the night? Chills up your spine, paralyzed by fright. Thrilled by horror at the center of a chat. Then welcome to the Nerds from the Crypt Podcast.